Welcome to Panhandle Sports Live, the premier home for all things sport in the Eastern Panhandle. He's across midfield. He's into the open field. Touchdown, Martinsburg. Towards the pylon. Touchdown, Washington. Hear from the coaches and players that make the Eastern Panhandle the place for sports in the state of West Virginia. This kid, he's got silver bullets. And it's a two-possession lead for the Appleman. Gets a high snap. Robinson trying to get to the outside. Makes a jerk move. Gets to the inside. Keyshawn Robinson. Touchdown, Cougars. Be a part of the conversation on today's show by texting at 304-263-4321. The throw not in time. Hedgesville's going to Charleston. Gavin Young puts the drive up 9, 63-54. The Spring Mills Cardinals, 18-0 to finish the regular season. Now, live from the Hoppy Kerchival Building in historic Martinsburg. Get your popcorn ready. Panhandle Sports Live is on the air. And it is Panhandle Sports Live for this 26th day of October, 2023. And you're in the right place for nonstop sports talk from a Panhandle point of view here on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. Good Thursday morning. We've got a lot to get into over the next couple of minutes. No Parker Stone for this first segment, but do not fret, folks. He'll be around for the rest of the show. Just had something he needed to take care of right off the rip. Uh, So we're just going to go ahead and dive right into the conversation. Talk a little high school football a little bit later on. We also have some marquee soccer regionals tonight that we're not going to be able to cover because of the Ernie McCook show, but we certainly will be keeping an eye on and we'll be talking about those on uh, tomorrow's show. We've got D2 football's Kerry Moyer, a PSAC columnist, coming by at the bottom of the hour to break down what's going on in the conference as well. And the NBA tipped off more so officially yesterday. The majority of the teams in action, we got our first look. Uh, at Victor Wenbanyama, who the Wizards were cheated out of. And the Wizards played their first basketball game of the season as well, giving up over 140 points to the Pacers. So it sounds like it's going to be the same old, same old uh, for my beloved Washington Wizards. With that being said, we start our conversation in Chi-Town with Tyson Bajan expected again to be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears when they take on the Los Angeles Chargers in primetime coming up this Sunday night. Tyson met with the media yesterday. Let's listen back to a portion of that interview and how it sounded from the Chicago press. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I just like to keep it as similar as possible. Um, this week will be a little bit, you know, this week's going to be similar to last week and the sense of the reps I'm getting at practice. But other than that, just keeping everything the same. Tyson, after after watching the film, what did you like about what you did on Sunday and what, what needs to get better? Um, I like how we operated as offense. I thought the O-line played extremely well. I thought the running backs ran hard. Receivers made plays when we needed them to. Um, I think ball security in the pocket was definitely a highlight of something I need to be more aware of. Can you walk us through the third down, that 15-yarder you hit to DJ down the home team sideline? Uh, when I rolled out? Uh, yeah, two-minute drill. Um, we had a concept called, had a rush in the middle of the pocket, escaped right, and then Saw Cole and then DJ on top of him beating his guy, and I just led him to the sideline to try a nice, high, safe throw. Yeah, Fluss mentioned, just when we talk about the anticipation throws, that's one that really stood out to him. How do you go about practicing those? Like, It just seems like you were so on the money with that one, and did that feel like that to you? Yeah, it felt good. It felt smooth. Uh, I thought DJ did a good job with with separating and working the scramble drill, getting off of his route, and then getting in uh, in tune with me. Um, And then... Once again, um, just as a pro quarterback, got to be able to make that throw. So just more of a reaction and not necessarily thinking about it uh, too much. Are you anxious to throw the ball downfield more? 
Uh, I'm excited to do whatever it is that I'm asked to do. That's that's really the extent of it. Um, whatever they want me to do, I'll do it uh, to the best of my ability. When you had time to reflect about Sunday, what did it mean to you? Uh, everything. Um, you know, everybody knows coming from where I come from. Uh, both, you know, the division I came from, kind of how I grew up with, you know, not a whole lot of football resources uh, around me. So it felt good to be able to just have hard work be rewarded. Are you looking forward to your, inevitably, your your story being told on national television? Uh I don't know. Looking forward to it, it's exciting and it's cool to it's cool to see that a lot of people um, are getting to getting to know me. Um, so it is it is pretty cool in that sense. Have you had a, a weird moment at all in the last couple of days? Or did you catch yourself on ESPN or or hear somebody talk about you or anything? Was there any surreal moment? Um, no, there was one last night. I was on the phone with a. Um, with a dude from Huntington, and he said uh, he had done a bunch of research and that I was the first uh, West Virginia born and raised uh, quarterback to ever start in the NFL. So I thought that was that was like I was sitting back on my couch like, wow, that's pretty that's pretty amazing. That was Tyson Bajan talking to members of the media. I wanted to, to roll a little bit longer. That was my mistake. I cut it off a question too early because one of the, the reporters in Chicago – uh, shouted out the legendary Kevin Pitsnoggle and said, well, there's been some other athletes from Martinsburg, so what a pull from her. But that's Tyson Bajan. Again, that's going to be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears coming up this Sunday night as they take on the Los Angeles Chargers. Certainly going to be a ton of fun. Uh, like I mentioned, those regional soccer games that are going to be on tonight, for those of you that are interested, these games are played at Spring Mills, and the girls' regional begins at 5 o'clock. It's Hedgesville against Jefferson. Again, that game being played um, at Spring Mills, so that's certainly going to be uh, a ton of fun along with Washington taking on Spring Mills from the boys' side of things. That'll start at 7 o'clock. I know Rick Kozlowski of the illustrious Martinsburg Journal will be there, and uh, there'll be a recap in tomorrow's edition of the Journal that you're going to be able to pick up. Um, so certainly I would invite you to do that. If not, go ahead and check out that fantastic soccer action because we've gotten to the postseason for soccer. We're getting there for uh, volleyball, and then football is just right around the corner, just two weeks left in the regular season. If you missed it, we've picked our Panhandle High School football game of the week um, for this week. It's Washington against Musselman. We heard from Musselman head football coach Brian Thomas yesterday, the day before we heard from Washington head football coach Terry Ray uh, and you can find both of those complete interviews on our Panhandle News Network Spotify pages. We also have Berkeley Springs Indians football coming up this Saturday. They take on Braxton County um, in a do-or-die game for the Tribe, who now possess the longest active losing streak in the state of West Virginia, looking to break that against the Braxton County team that has only won one game this year. And then, of course, we've got Shepherd football against Bloomsburg on the road. They get to make that drive uh, up to mighty Bloomsburg. That'll... Uh, That'll be coming up on uh, Saturday afternoon. We're going to go ahead and get to our first break just a little bit early and continue the conversation when we return. We've got opening night official, maybe not officially opening night, but the majority of the teams playing their opening game in the NBA season yesterday. We're going to go back and listen to some of that tape and continue the conversation in just a moment here on Panhandle Sports Live. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, part of the Panhandle News Network.
Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting from the Hoppy Kirchival Building here in Martinsburg, West Virginia. It uh, wouldn't be radio without some technical difficulties that we're powering through, but I appreciate your folks' patience as you make us a part of your Thursday morning. Tonight on 95.9 The Big Dog, we've got another edition of the Ernie McCook Show, broadcasting live from Captain Bender's Tavern um, as we talk all things Shepherd Rams football and uh, we get a little bit closer to the game against Bloomsburg. Man, this is just a frustrating morning. Uh, we've got some text on the text line, 304-263-4321. You can text us. Brian Thomas was our guest yesterday, and a texter says, Brian Thomas couldn't give you an answer about why they don't use Sean Benton on the passing game. I saw him play JV against Spring Mills in Washington, and he was dominant even with limited touches. Easily the best young receiver in the area, but he can't get on the field on Friday nights. No way that kid stays in the program for two more years. I like Sean Benton when I saw him in the varsity games. I haven't gotten to see him in the, in the JV or freshman games. Um, or JV games, I should say. He's a sophomore. Um, but I like what I saw. I mean, he's six foot three. looks like he moves pretty well, 200 pounds. But, I mean, I'll, I'll say this. You know, my school is a little bit different. It was a really small Christian school, but I still got to play a little JV. And, and there's just a, there's a huge difference in skill, and then there's just a huge difference in psyche. So sometimes people are dominant in JV games. They get called up to varsity. It takes them a few minutes to readjust. And the thing I'll say about this is, you know, Brian Thomas has gotten to the point, and I do appreciate the text texture, where I, I, I can't fathom him holding back a player that would help his team win games because more than anything, Musselman's trying to win these two remaining games. So I, I, I understand the sentiment of seeing a player perform very well in, in junior varsity action, um, but sometimes you make that leap up to, to varsity. I mean, look at their running back, Blake Sanders, obviously – was one of the best running backs in JV football in the Eastern Panhandle last year. Got off to a very good start this year, and has struggled a little bit. I mean, there's just a huge step up in physicality, and uh, maybe that's what hap- what's happening to Benton, maybe not. But like I agree with you, Texter, again, in the limited reps that I saw. That's why I asked him about it. I was impressed with a six foot three, you know, 200-pound wide receiver that can move pretty well as a sophomore. Uh, so it's going to be interesting uh, to see what his career unfurls to be for Musselman. Another Musselman-related text. I understand Musselman has scheduled a parade and fireworks in anticipation of the offensive outburst that lies ahead this week at Washington. Double digits will be worth celebrating. A hundred ways to run the football. Yeah, potentially. I mean, you know, let's be honest. If Musselman, and we've talked about it extensively in our playoff conversation, wants a chance to make it to the postseason, they're going to have to shake off some of the cobwebs offensively and uh, put some points on the board. You know, Washington presents some unique problems with their defense, specifically in their pass rush. Um, but there's some ways they can be exposed. If we walk out of Friday night's game with a for potentially a Musselman win, but you're looking at, you know, 13-7 or 10-7 or 10-3 or, you know, then you're going to be very concerned. And you're going to probably arrive at the conclusion that Parker Stone arrived at a couple weeks ago, which is Musselman's probably just not a playoff team. Now, with that being said, if they win that game, they still have a chance to be in the playoff picture. And if they win the next two weeks, they've got Parkersburg at home week 11, then they're absolutely in the playoffs. I mean, they need a little help to get in at 4-6, and six, but it all starts with beating Washington. And Washington's not going to lay down. I mean, they've got a team full of underclassmen skill position players that can make you pay. And they gave, you know, the last time we were out there, a little bit more of a veteran Hedgesville team that ended up taking care of business against Washington in a game that was back and forth early on because Washington had a little bit of trickeration. They knew they were going to struggle to move the ball consistently, so they had a double pass. They had a couple of other things to get creative, uh, take some shots down the field, and, and certainly make uh, uh, Hedgesville's defense pay and keep the game close to the first couple of minutes. Uh, so I appreciate the text. 304-263-4321 uh, is the text line. 
And I agree with the sentiment. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, Musselman flat out deserves to be a playoff team. I'm just saying statistically, if they win this Friday night, they've got a pretty good shot of making the postseason despite a four and six record. So, you know, it, it's you want to have the best versions of the Eastern Panhandle represented when they get into the playoffs. So hopefully offensively, uh, those things can get figured out. I want to turn our attention briefly to the NBA action that we had last night. Before we take this break, we'll be rejoined by Parker Stone, uh, and we'll also have Kerry Moyer of D2Football.com because we've got a lot of stuff in the PSAC to talk about. But let's start with Joe Mazzulla and the Boston Celtics, and we'll get a little bit of a closer look into this game when Parker Stone comes back in. He was watching it a little closer than I was. Um, I was watching the Washington Wizards give up 140 points to the Pacers. Uh, which was not a very fun way to spend a Wednesday night, especially with the week that we've been having here. Uh, But the Celtics beat the Knicks yesterday, 108-104. There's a couple of dagger shots late, but he had two 30-point performances. Jason Tatum goes for 34, and Kristaps Porzingis goes for 30. Uh, And down the stretch of this game, it was Kristaps Porzingis that hit a couple of really big shots to put this game beyond doubt. Um, As we turn towards the end, the final couple of points scored by Kristaps Porzingis. Here's a call on 98.5, the Sports Hub, a Porzingis three that put this game beyond doubt. That was pass for Tatum, straight away against Barrett. Got Porzingis, right side, he's going to take the deep three. Got it! Dagger by Porzingis with 89 seconds remaining. And the Celtics have scored nine straight down the stretch to lead by three. And it's going to be interesting because we talked about the big four of Boston. And and when you have that much star power on a team, you don't need all four of them to play at the highest level every night. But Jalen Brown did not play well in this game. He took a lot of bad shots. Drew Holiday is somebody that if he's going to be the primary ball handler, can't have two assists in a game. Uh, You know, when you're outscored, both of those guys by Darren White, uh, or Derek White, excuse me, who's the fifth starter for Boston, at least to begin the season, that's going to be a little bit alarming. You know, this team had all of that draft capital, folks, you remember from, you know, going back to the Paul Pierce trade and when they possessed it seemingly the entire Brooklyn Nets future. And I'm not really thrilled with the bench that Boston's been able to make. Al Horford's a great veteran coming off the bench, but the guys they used yesterday, I mean, Sam Hauser, you know, is somebody that's just a body. Peyton Pritchard is an okay backup ball handler. And then Luke Cornett's a big man who can stretch it a little bit. I mean, he can shoot the three. Uh, But, you know, he comes in, gives you eight minutes and a rebound. Uh, he has a couple of assists, don't mind you, on uh, some dribble handoff situations. But, you know, I'm, I'm not really thrilled with the depth that Boston has. So when you stack them up against, say, a Milwaukee or some of the other teams in the Eastern Conference, I mean, wouldn't do we need to start having the conversation again um, that the Sixers are going to be good with James Harden coming back from his situation? I don't know. Uh, I mentioned that Pacers game against the Wizards to talk a little Wizards basketball here uh, before we get to the break. And we were, oh, were joined by D2 columnist Kerry Moyer. Uh, 143 to 120 was the final score of this game. Uh, the Pacers scored over 30 points in all four quarters, and uh, it was it was quite the game. Certainly quite the game uh, to watch as a Wizards fan. Here's a call on one of the many three pointers made by the Panthers or Panthers, the Pacers on 1070. The fan. Pacers are out and running. Center of the floor, Halliburton. The Wizards get back. Heald has it. Right corner. They don't pick up Brown. And Brown delivers a three right in front of the Indiana bench. His fifth of the night. So Bruce Brown hitting that shot there. Finished with 24 points to lead all scores. There are eight different players that scored in double figures for the Pacers. 
all five of their starters, along with Buddy Heald, who's coming off the bench for this team, Andrew Nemhard and uh, Jalen Smith, who played very well. I was I was a fan of his at Maryland. I was a fan of his when he went to the Pelicans, and I'm a fan of his with the Pacers as well. Pacers look like a quality middle-of-the-pack team. I mean, you've got Matherin, who for a brief time was uh, a Rookie of the Year candidate, Obi Toppin. That's a big front line when you've got big Miles Turner up there as well. And Tyrese Halliburton, for my money, is one of the best pure playmakers in the NBA. From a Wizards point of view, Kyle Kuzma looks great. Tyus Jones looked exactly what they paid for. Jordan Poole, a lot of people are expecting him to lead the NBA in scoring because of how many shots he's going to be able to take in his offense. So for him to have 18 points in the debut isn't great. And then this Wizards bench is tough, guys. I mean, you've got Danilo Gallinari and Mark, Mike Muscala who run the floor worse than I do at this point. I mean, these guys are just severely unathletic. Gallinari gives you some some weight in the offensive side of things. He can step out and shoot the three. He's got a great mid-range game. I mean, he's always been a scorer. But the fact that Mike Muscala gets eight minutes and can't move is a problem. The fact that Corey Kispert is probably the sixth man on this team until they get Bilal Koulibaly figured out is going to be a problem because he has his limitations defensively. So for those of us that had you know, some ambitions of this Washington Wizards team finishing higher, and I understand it's just the first game of the regular season, that had higher expectations for this Wizards team as potentially finishing as a top-six seed in the uh, Eastern Conference. I think we're going to have to hold uh, those ambitions at least for a couple of weeks because this team does not look like they could snap a nosebleed, and it's, uh, it's, it's going to be some rough basketball to watch and you give up 143 points in your opener, um, that's certainly going to be a problem. We'll take our uh, second break of the show in just a moment. Like I said, we're going to be joined by Kerry Moyer of D2Football.com and uh, rejoined by Parker Stone. But I also did want to bring one thing to the listeners' attention. Um, You heard it last night on the Metro News Statewide Sports Line, and I just wanted to echo uh, some of the well wishes that Jay Jacobs has gotten. Longtime broadcaster for MSN, and a longtime color commentator for Tony Caridi on Mountaineer Basketball Broadcasts. This is 50th season. Um, He's going to retire after this year. So for those of you that have listened to Tony Caridi and Jay Jacobs throughout the years, and I would encourage you, if you didn't get to listen to it, to go back to listen to last night's episode of um, the Statewide Sports Line because they 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 said some Jay Jacobs stories that truly, I mean, I grew up hearing from you know my dad and other people of uh, MSN that worked on those Mountaineer broadcasts, truly one of the more unique personalities in all of college basketball, let alone WVU sports media. So he's going to be stepping down when WVU plays St. John's on December 1st um, and then enjoy a well-deserved retirement. Jay Jacobs, one of the best to ever do it from an analytical standpoint, and he's legitimately one of the funniest people I've ever met. So many Jay Jacobs stories that were told last night. So many more Jay Jacobs stories that uh, are probably not very safe for air that could also be told as well. As he's one of those guys that just had the likability of the most likable person in the world. It's going to be a shame to hear WVU basketball without him moving forward. Uh, but the show goes on. And again, we really appreciate the 50 years of, of Jay Jacobs, teammate of Jerry West. You know, so you think about that. He played with Jerry West and he called the games of Javon Carter. It's just a, a, a crazy, crazy thing to think about. Break to take when we return. We'll be rejoined by Parker Stone and by D2 uh, football columnist Kerry Moyer. You're still listening to Panhandle Sports Live. You're listening to Panhandle Sports Live. Want to join the conversation? Tweet your thoughts on today's show at EP Sports Network. All right, I think we got some of the bugs out of the system. We're back. Panhandle Sports Live. Luke Wiggs now rejoined by Parker Stone. Victoria Celtics fan Parker Stone. How are you doing today, sir? Doing well. Doing well. The... uh 
the Celtics played a really great game last night. Very happy. The Jason, like I said, the Jason Tatum MVP case started yesterday, and it's <laughs> off to a great start. So I, I cannot be happier as a Boston fan. So uh, uh, Jason Tatum's going to win that uh, September Heisman Award. Is that what you're saying? Hold up. I mean, I like I said, I think this is a team that can win a championship. That that I heard you talk a little bit about Boston, saying that the depth is a little bit of a concern. I do see that, but it, yeah, Peyton Pritchard's going to be seventh on this team in minutes. Yeah, which I mean, they're going to depend on that big four guys, and I don't know if you can put together a much better big four than that with Holiday. Brown, Tatum, and Porzingis, and there'll be nights where Porzingis will play good, Brown will play good, and Holiday will play good, but your core piece is Jason Tatum, and that's why he's winning the MVP this year. Well, somebody that hails from a, a region that has a team that also might compete for the Celtics in the Eastern Conference this year is Kerry Moyer of D2Football.com, a PSAC columnist, is uh, just a stone's throw away from the fighting city of Philadelphia where James Harden has decided to return to practice after uh, a long hiatus and uh, I'm sure a, a, a fun off season. Uh, but that's not what we brought Kerry on to talk about. We brought him on, of course, to talk about things D2 football. And Kerry, how are you on this Thursday morning? Uh, good, good. It's, it's great to hear your banter there a little bit. So, I mean, uh, my Phils, uh, you know, just kind of uh, ended their season this week, but my Eagles are still going strong. So I'm, I'm definitely a four for four guy with Philly, but haven't gotten to hoops or the flyers yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, another team from around your way in Westchester uh, stood toe to toe with Shepard on homecoming. And that might've been a mistake. I mean, Carrie, when you look back at last week's victory for Shepard, 59 to 21 against Westchester, and this is a Westchester team that came into the regular season that really scared me. And, you know, if I would have put out a ranking of my own, I might've had third in the division, um, but Shepard, I mean, just really flexing their muscles. Were you as surprised as we were potentially by that final score? With, with the, the differential there, yes. Um, again, going back to, you know, the preseason, you know, with Kutztown Shepard at the top, you know, the, the coaches poll did have Westchester at number three. And I think, you know, was a lot of historical significance there. And, um, you know, and I think we've seen, potentially a changing of the guard. You know, you look a decade ago before Shepard was in the PSAC, but, you know, it's really, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, Westchester and Bloomsburg going head to head every year, you know, sprinkle in ship and, and, you know, Kutztown here and there. But, uh, you know, you know, Westchester is really kind of, a, it's a defining moment coming up here in the next couple of weeks for them. They've got Lockhaven who is, on the verge of, of getting into that top half of the PSAC East and, you know, Westchester potentially sliding into the second half uh, and joining Bloomsburg, uh, you know, a little segue there to where we're going this week, you know, in the lower half of the PSAC East. Absolutely. And, and, and Kerry, it seems as though as we got to this point in the season, the Kutztown is just absolutely taunting Shepard uh, because last week it took overtime or two weeks ago, it took overtime uh, for them to pick up a victory against Shippensburg nine to six. And then they go uh, to bald Eagle country and almost drop another game seven to three and Lockhaven had the ball inside the 10-yard line of Kutztown late and turned it over in the dying seconds of the fourth quarter. So, you know, as we look at the last couple of weeks of the season, a lot of crazy things need to happen, of course, for Kutztown to drop the necessary games for Shepard to leap them. But, man, they came very close the last two weeks, didn't they? 
Yeah, on the flip side of it, and uh, of course that uh, overtime game with uh, you know Shippensburg, uh, you know you, <laughs> we were together at Millersville for the Shepherds game when that was going on. But yeah, here's the flip side of it: uh, you just got to get the offensive spark a little bit. Their defense hasn't given up a, t- a touchdown in three games. I mean, they've yeah. given up four field goals. So you know, if you buy into the whole thing of you know defense wins championships. Again, don't want to put the cart before the horse, but you know, you look at that week eleven of the season with Slippery Rock already scheduled to go to Kutztown. You know, right now that looks like the the PSAC championship game as well. You got the top scoring offense with Slippery Rock. Uh, you know, putting up forty five point three game points a game, and then Kutztown's the number one defense in the entire PSAC. You know, only giving up fourteen point eight points a game. So. Uh, yeah, so it, it, it looks like, ooh, they were close. But, you know, at the same time, too, uh, you know, having your, your defense healthy. And there's there's nobody that's really at the top of the rankings in any of the statistical stuff for Kutztown. It's just, you know, Coach Fargo is a great defensive coordinator, and they're just, uh, you know, they, they've really gelled as a unit. And, uh, you know, they, they've just kept people out of the end zone. So some of the big takeaways I had, Kerry, of course, some of the biggest news of the week was the first dropping of the Super Region 1 rankings. Of course, they come out week one listed alphabetically and not ranked so far. The PSAC teams we got were Cal. We had East Stroudsburg make it in. We had Kutztown, Shepard, and Slippery Rock out of the teams that were listed here. So what's a realistic expectation of how many teams we could see in from the PSAC getting into Super Region 1? Because I know a lot of Rams fans have a focus for next week's game against East Stroudsburg and how much of that could be a win and get into Super Region 1. Yeah, I think we we kind of started to talk about this a little bit, you know, a few weeks ago, but now we have a little bit more substance with it. And again, you know, in my column that'll come out later today, you know, you'll see it, you know, again, having five of the 10 teams being from the PSAC is incredible. Uh, you know, again, Slippery Rock's definitely, in my opinion, number one team in the region right now, and they're in the driver's seat both with the uh, PSAC championship and in uh, Super Region 1. Uh, really, it's, it's it's for the teams that, you know, California, you know, Kutztown, Shepard, uh, Slippery Rock, it, you just got to keep winning, and, you know, the rest should take care of itself. I mean, if, if Shepard wins out, you know, they're going to be sitting there at 10-1. and one. I Obviously, this week, I'm kind of looking at as week nine, the calm before the storm. Um, you know, next week is where we're going to see some, you know, real big things. I already know what my PSAC game of the week is next week, and <laughs> I'm going to be down your way for that. I mean, that's going to be huge. You know, potentially having eight and one Shepherd and eight and one uh, East Stroudsburg, you know, down at Ram Stadium. So that that's going to be a big one. Here's on the flip side too. If you look at week 11, again, you know, don't want to put the cart before the horse, but we're at that time of the season. You know, for Shepherd, they're going to face Mercyhurst from the the PSAC West, and Mercyhurst has the number 16, which is last ranked defense. Um, you know, in, in the entire PSAC, and uh, I mean, they're averaging giving up 42.6 points a game. On the flip side, East Stroudsburg Week 11 has Cal coming to town. You know, all the games will be crossing over from the west to the east, and you know, again, Cal, uh, you know, I, they were, you know, slept on, I think, early in the season, obviously, because they didn't have their first game played. Uh, and, you know, of course, we know we know how things went for them. Uh, you know, with Shepard on the flip side, you know, they did uh, come back in the fourth quarter against Kutztown. But so really, uh, after this calm before the storm week, um, 
you know, everything's in Shepard's hands and East Stroudsburg's hands next week. But uh, when you look at those Week 11 matchups, um, East Stroudsburg definitely has a, a little bit rougher road, in my opinion, with Cal coming to town you know, versus Mercyhurst uh, coming to Ram Stadium. Well, Kerry, like you mentioned, uh, we like to, to speculate through the last couple weeks of the season and see where Shepard might or might not finish. But is it fair to say that there's a, a chance of a little bit of a trap game coming up this uh, Saturday against Bloomsburg? You're going on the road. You're playing at a later start time than you usually do. This is an offense that has been very poor, but defensively the Huskies are top three in the conference. I mean, again, it's a team that doesn't move the football well, but they don't let you move the football either. No, and it, it's a home game. What I will say, I know, you know, where I'm at here in the Reading area, you know, I'm right between Westchester, Millersville, and Kutztown, and looking at the temperatures this weekend, it's going to feel more like September uh, than late October. I've been at games up at Bloomsburg. Uh, you know, that stadium sits up on the hill there, and you're just totally out in the elements. And, uh, you know, that said, I think the weather is going to be, you know, pretty decent this weekend. And, uh, you know, so that shouldn't be a major factor. Again, guys talk about rain, this, that, or whatever. Wind's always a potential factor up there. But, uh, you know, Bloomsburg, yeah, they, they've got a great defense. They're, they're number three, you know, in, uh, in uh, the entire PSAC. They're only averaging giving up, you know, 20.1 points a game. But, you know, offense, you know, they're, you know, they're, uh, you know, way down there, only, you know, averaging 14.8 points a game. So it may be oversimplifying it, but you just got to score more points than them. So, and with the way things are clicking and uh, again, I, we talk about this sometimes when we're together and on the show, I mean, again, Shepard's offense, you know, with Brown, great things going on, uh, you know, um, looking at, you know, the quarterback and you know, with Morgan, he's the, the highest rated quarterback in the East. Uh, but, you know, that kicking game stuff, too, we've always talked about. It. I talked about it on your show at some of the games at halftime, you know, with, with the returns. But, you know, with Brown back there and, uh, you know, with what he's doing in with kickoff returns and with, uh, you know, Greer, Greer's the top punt returner, you know, in the, uh, in the PSAC. So, uh, you know, there's three phases to the game. So, uh, any given Saturday in our in our <laughs> our situation here, but uh, I, I expect big things out of uh, Shepard this week, and uh, you know, be you know, being uh, eight and one heading into that contest next week with East Stroudsburg. Well, the Rams have been playing really good football. Maybe a team that hasn't been playing their best football this year has been IUP Carey. I wanted to get your thoughts on maybe was was the, maybe the upset of the weekend, Seton Hill at home knocking off IUP. What's been going on with the Crimson Hawks this season? I, again, you, you look early on, and again, some of the tough matchups there. You know, early game East Stroudsburg, you know, last year they, they lost on a field goal at the end of the game to IUP. This year, you know, IUP was going for a field goal at the end of the game, didn't get it off in time. You know, East Stroudsburg wins by a point. Big win for East Stroudsburg. You know, of course, the you just always expect them to be there. and But you look at it, um, you know, again, you know, having a uh, you know, big uh, quarterback transfer coming in, but yeah, it's kind of like the Westchester thing I talked about earlier. You, you look at, you know, there's really not much there with statistical leaders. Um, it's just, yeah, a whole bunch of things. But last week, uh, yeah, I got that game wrong in my prediction. I, I think, you know, other than, you know, maybe if uh, you're, you're part of the, the Seton Hill campus there, you know, everybody would have predicted that. 
Okay, just uh, this will, you know, be a one in the win column for IUP, but it's just, uh, again, it's where Westchester used to be, Bloom used to be, IUP. I mean, if you said IUP is four and four this year to most people, it'd be like, in what sport? <laughs> not not football, even though they're they're great at a lot of their stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't get to see those games the last few weeks or, or watch the, the tape on them, so I, I can't you know get more specific with it. But there's uh, you know definitely uh, not a typical IUP season. Well, Kerry, when we turn our attention to this week, uh, what game ca- has caught your eye the most? Uh, Honestly, like I said, I'm I'm kind of calling this a calm before the storm week. <laughs> I think I think though, again, there's you know obviously next week we've got East Stroudsburg and Shepherd. That game is as huge as it comes. It's at the end of the season. This week, honestly, I'm I'm probably looking at the Lock Haven and Westchester game. And again, it's it's really that it game is a battle for fourth place in the PSAC East. And you know, again, obviously there's separation there with Kutztown. Shepherd East Stroudsburg, but I mean, it, it's, you know, only a couple of weeks left and it's kind of, you know, who's going to end up at the end of the season, you know, again, if you don't win it all, whatever, you know, your second place, your whatever, but I really, it's like, you know, for those two programs, when has been the last time Westchester has been in the bottom half of the PSAC East? And when has been the last time that Lock Haven has been in the top half of the PSAC East? So to me, that's, that's most interesting. Again, doesn't have any bearings on what's going to happen. PSAC championship, super region one, anything like that, but it's really kind of a defining moment potentially for both of these programs. Absolutely. Well, as always, Kerry, where can people find more of your work and uh, follow you on uh, the extra Twitter? Okay, so uh, again, d2football.com. My PSAC column is there, and, and all the uh, the different conferences are there. Uh, and, uh, of course, on the X or Twitter, it's at Kerry Moyer, at C-A-R-Y, Moyer, M-O-Y-E-R. And uh, my PSAC column uh, preview for this week will be up uh, a little bit later today. Very good. Well, uh, we hope to cross paths with you, like you mentioned, in over a week from now, but still a couple of days between now and then. And Gary, as always, we appreciate you giving us the time. No, I appreciate you guys having me on. Have a, have a great game day on Saturday, and I'll see you next week. Awesome. Thank you very much. Again, Gary Moyer of D2Football.com, the PSAC columnist. I don't know, Park, to, to kind of continue this conversation on Bloomsburg. I always get scared of teams that you know are that stout defensively. Now, this team only averages putting up 14 points per game, but there's just enough there to really concern me. Not necessarily that we're talking upset here, but that they can give Shepard a really, really good game. I, I understand that from the jump where you look at it. Bloomsburg, tough defense in the top four teams in the conference right now defensively, but... Again, I, I think the Rams are clicking at the right time right now. I think this is a game that Shepard has the opportunity to open up once again. and that, It's a statement if they're able to do that two weeks in a row and go into a money matchup with East Stroudsburg. That's going to be really what's on the mind, I think, for a lot of that staff is this is potentially, if things fall certain ways in Super Region 1, a win-and-get-in scenario into the playoffs. For Shepard, you got to handle business. I think that 
the defense is playing its best football right now. The defensive line's playing fantastic. Kowser, Mule, and the like. The interior pressure's been fantastic. Defense is playing some of its best football right now. And the offense is doing great stuff. Seth Morgan's the best quarterback in the PSAC East right now. Malachi Brown and Jordan Barnett are really meshing as a duo. We're still waiting on Nas Russell to get back to be a third piece in that running game. And then, again, this we're still waiting on Cam Dorner to come back in the receiving unit. But the guys that are there right now, Taylor, Batten, as well as Barry Hill, have really picked it up. And they're, they're clicking at the right time, I think is the best way to put it. So I, I'm not stressing Bloomsburg at all. I think this is a game that the Rams can win easily and set up that big money matchup with East Stroudsburg at home coming up next week. Another break to take when we return. We'll take a look at uh, Thursday Night Football. We'll get Parker's picks. We'll set you up for the Ernie McCook Show. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about the NBA if we have the time. But Panhandle Sports Live will continue here in just a moment. Sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back. Final segment of Panhandle Sports Live. You can text us 304-263-4321. We're going to be live at Captain Bender's Tavern tonight for another edition of the Ernie McCook Show. We're going to talk about that in just a second, but in the meantime... Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. And that is how you start the NBA season. Perfect slate last night. We had a perfect Boston Celtics slate. Tatum goes 25-plus. Tatum gets A-plus rebounds. And Porzingis gets two-plus made threes. That actually hit in the first quarter of that game. That was the line I was the most 50-50 on. Porzingis gets that in the first quarter. So it was a good run, and a Celtics win makes it even better. We've got Thursday night football tonight is the Buffalo Bills, who are kind of up and down right now if you look at it. And taking on a Tampa team that's trying to get back on track. Today's lock of the day I'm going for. Stephon Diggs is over 86.5 receiving yards. He's quietly putting together probably his best season in his career right now. He's been playing absolutely fantastic. I got him over on receiving yards tonight. I also have Dalton Kincaid over on receiving yards tonight. I think with Dawson Knox out of the lineup for who knows how long at this point, Dalton Kincaid is going to show why he was a first-round pick in this game and had 75 yards last week for Buffalo. I think they're going to try and find him a lot. He's going to be a safety target for Josh Allen down in the flats moving around the field he's a big target he plays more like a receiver than what he does as a tight end and I think slowly he's going to start emerging as that number two target in this offense so I got Dalton Kincaid's over on receiving yards today the line is set at 40 and a half as well as I got Josh Allen over on touchdown passes at one and a half I think he throws two against this Tampa defense today in a way to a Buffalo Bills win so digs over on receiving Kincaid over on receiving and Josh Allen over one and a half passing touchdowns this is today's Parker's picks for Thursday Night Football. Well, did anything really surprise you from the majority of the teams that played yesterday in the NBA? The Hornets beat the Hawks. You know, I, I think that the Hawks have not done enough to differentiate themselves as a top five team in the East. The Wizards look poor. The Rockets, again, look like the worst team in the NBA. Celtics look pretty good, as did the Knicks. The Cavs-Nets series is, is, is potentially a potential preview to a 4-5 playoff matchup. I thought that was a ton of fun. Um, you know, the Raptors look good defensively. The Heat struggled a little bit with the Pistons. Uh, the list goes on. The Thunder put up 124 points on the Bulls. The Kings put up 130 points. When Binyama played okay but lost, and then the Clippers looked pretty good. I mean, is there anything that really caught your eye last night from uh, the NBA action that we saw? I think it reiterates my thought that the East is probably going to come down to Boston and Milwaukee, and the West probably will come down to Phoenix and Denver is probably my thoughts. I think that's probably going to be 
our final four come playoff time. It took Wemby a little bit getting going, but he got hot in the fourth quarter, which got a little bit of hope, I think, for that Spurs team. He only played 23 minutes as well, so they're being kind of patient with the way they're rolling him out. Yeah, so they, the people that have – they need to disabuse themselves of the notion that they're a top-three team in the Western Conference. Oh, no. He's a great no. player, but I would be surprised if they make – the not the play-in, but the actual playoffs. If they were one of the eight teams in the West, that would surprise me. With all due respect, I love Vassell. I love Jeremy Sohan, although I still call him Sochan. But they still need at least another piece or two, which is not going to be hard to find because everybody's going to want to play with one Benyama. Yeah, definitely so. I think this team is a year away from being competitive. I think they could be a top-six team in the West, I think, in year two potentially. But again, they got a really young core guys right now, and I like what they're building in San Antonio with Wembenyana, Vassal as well, Keldon Johnson, Sohan. Devin Vassell is another player that the Wizards just completely whiffed on drafting. There's a, there's a there's an alternate uh, reality where the Wizards actually draft Devin Vassell and actually draft Tyrese Halliburton and have the best young backcourt in the NBA. But but continue. In <laughs> uh, the uh, Portland matchup, Scoot Henderson had a tough time shooting. He only went 5 of 11 from the field, 0 for 3 from three-point land, only scoring 11 points, but played 36 minutes the most on the Trailblazers. So they're reemphasizing that that Scoot is going to be the guy for this team, I think, in the future. Simon's played all right for Portland. DeAndre Ayton didn't have a fantastic night shooting, only took four shots, but got 12 rebounds on this team. And looking down the line, the Pelicans beating the Grizzlies. If Zion can stay healthy, again, this is a Pelicans lineup that could make some noise with kind of a Tier 2 Big 3 with Zion, Brandon Ingram, and C.J. McCollum, with Jonas Valanciunas also in the lineup. Can the Pelicans stay healthy and be a top six team in the West? I think it's possible, but there's a big if and an asterisk next to healthy, I think is the biggest takeaways that I have. Yep. Once again, to reiterate our broadcast schedule for the next couple of days, we'll finish by talking about the McCook show, but they've got, we've got the high school football game of the week, Panhandle high school football game of the week coming up this Friday night at seven o'clock between Washington and Musselman. We've got shepherd football beginning with our pregame at one o'clock on 95, nine, the big dog on Saturday, along with Berkeley Springs taking on Braxton County in a game that kicks off at two. Two o'clock, correct. So that coverage will begin at 145. Uh, but again, tonight over on 95.9 The Big Dog, we've got another edition of the Ernie McCook Show live from Captain Bender's Tavern. You're not going to want to miss that. You're not going to want to miss uh, Pain Handle Live, which comes your way after the top of the hour. But for Parker Stone, I've been Luke Wiggs. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.